Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studio, it's time for Family Business Radio. Showcasing outstanding family businesses and the advisors who assist them. Good afternoon. This is your host, Anthony Chen with Family Business Radio. Welcome to listening for another set of great guests' stories as to how they created their businesses and kind of a little bit of insight as to what they do behind the scenes. So we have two great guests today. Our first guest is Kam Interaf with I Think Agency. Kam, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Anthony. So kind of share with us, what is it that got you into finding uh, your company? So what's the background story? Uh, I I worked, uh, believe it or not, I was I was doing uh, the yellow pages. If you guys can remember that, and kind of kind of like that time of advertising marketing, and the and this is with Verizon, and then we evolved to you know they started to see the the evolution of digital marketing in Facebook and Google and al- algorithms, and you know dating myself a little bit, right? And then you know we they weren't transitioning quick enough, and the clients needed this. Businesses need modern marketing and sometimes in some businesses like Verizon or at that time it kept changing its name. It was an IDR or super media. Um, and my, I was complaining to my wife all the time. I'm like, oh, I wish they did this. Like they're not doing this the way that they're doing. Like I was doing research all the time, like proper, you know, Google algorithms and really geeking out on like how to do it the right way. And she's like, you have to, you have a choice. Come either go find a company to work for or do it yourself. And I really took that literal, I'm like, do it myself, didn't really consider it. And I, after, you know, I, I wanted to do what I felt was the right thing. And I started my, my shop, several clients followed me and the rest is history. Mm-hmm. So w- w- it sounded like, was it a, a slow build as you're kind of seeing a shift in the market? Or was it just like one major event? Or was it just that one conversation with your wife that made you go, you know what, I'm going to open up my own business? several months just clients complaining about things not getting done properly and you know i talked to to the the product director for the company it's like hey you know why aren't we doing it this way or this way and she's like it's hard to scale it that way you know not to their fault i get it they're a big organization and it's the same problem you see with businesses now like where if they're not pivoting or i hate to use that word but they're not having a process in place where they can be agile enough and and you're not listening to the clients your customers today you you could your business could fail. Right. So, hmm. so I couldn't align myself and my rep, my personal reputation brand with, with a solution that doesn't, it's not going to help a business. So I, I started my own agency, marketing agency, and we started as an SEO company, worked our way up. We started adding layers because we started to hear more like websites was a, a pain point, which is a beast of its own. Branding is a pain point. That's a whole, cause you see agencies that specialize in each of those as, as our agency actually has it under one roof because Businesses need all of those interconnectivity, and it's easier for us to control the quality if we're doing all of it. So we we kept adding on, Anthony, as we saw needed. I mean, there's a lot of other aspects of digital marketing. It's so broad, but we p- picked whatever we felt was the most impactful to what clients and businesses are, are needing um, every year. Mm. So it sounds like it, what was the first service or that pain point that your clients went with you, and then. The- and then where are you now in terms of building up or scaling up your services? When I first started, I think most people ask, you know, I, I want to be found on Google. I'm, I'm, I want to rank for this service in this town, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's keywords. That's SEO, search engine optimization. Uh, there's a lot more layers to it. There's a lot of people that do it in different beginning level to advance. 
what we're hearing now over the last year and a half, we actually added a layer of branding. Most businesses don't really actually know and how to articulate their brand or, or value proposition in the marketplace. People say, I've been in business for 30 years or it's family owned. That's great, but that's not what resonates with those customers. It's like, what's the nuance? What's the really, what's the benefit that, you know, if you're a lawyer, what makes you different from all, all the lawyers? If you're an insurance person, if you're, you know, um, financial advisor, all that stuff, right? So how do you stand out in the noisy crowd? Um, and that's brand positioning. That's a foundational piece. So now we actually, that's a requirement that we do before we do any marketing. Because if, if you can't articulate a brand, um, then you're, you're just going to get lost in the noise. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like back then as, as you were starting at the SEO, but as it was somewhat new, now it's kind of just a plain standard. What is the new trend you're seeing in a marketing space where it's the SEO back then, something that's new and you know what, not very much spoken about, but something that you kind of hearing uh, in terms of demand. People are looking to try to understand, you know, some people call it demand gen inbound marketing. That's always been around, but the level of sophistication that we're seeing with the evolution of technology and analytics and consumer data, what we're seeing is, utilizing analytics and data and consumer behavior and you know why Netflix, right. Can, can make suggestions. Why, um, you know, you go on Amazon, it's making suggestions. That's the expectation of people. We're seeing AI involved in the full customer journey. Um, and these tools are next that they're expensive, but they're really also affordable for small businesses too. It's just knowing that it's available. So we're seeing that trend where businesses, especially now more, more digital, right. From, from 2020 to now getting into 21, people are, are forced to this, you know, quote unquote digital transformation. What does that mean? And embracing these tools uh, and then trying to find someone like an agency to help them leverage these tools properly or, or a marketing department in-house, teaching them up to how to get to understand like how to use these, these tools. So we're seeing more of the sophistication of like AI marketing and really understanding consumer behavior to put your message in front of, people at the right time um, or just making sure your message is very intentional and it's not a blanket approach. It's more personalized. Okay. When you bring that word for the non-tech savvy people or business owners were just focused and really good in their business, what you're saying, if I'm understanding you correctly, is these big tech AI or what have you, would they understand the customer or the client's journey, as you would say, that's now available to small businesses, you don't have to be one of these big techs where you have some huge R&D uh, budget? Correct, correct. Like a lot of these, I mean, a lot of people, for example, email marketing, a lot of people use like MailChimp or Constant Contact. Mm-hmm. MailChimp has evolved their platform to, to provide marketing automation. So we're seeing these mainstream solution uh, technologies uh, evolve to provide these types of access to small businesses. And it's our responsibility to make sure we, we educate our clients on that and, and also let them know, like, this is available to you. Um, and, that, that, and that's what drives me. Our purpose, is, we always say, it's empower businesses to serve people. Um, if that's serving their own team members or, or whoever they're serving as a solution. But, yes, it's, it's, all the stuff is very accessible. Um, but the challenge for a lot of people is, like, where do I find it? Right? And, and you, hopefully you can find the right partner to educate you on that. But of course you can always Google it. I say that all the time mm-hmm. and Google it. <laughs> so kind of well, with 2020 past us, how should businesses regroup now in the new year in 2021? Yeah, and that's a, that's a great question. That's a common uh, 
theme that we've seen, right? People are transitioning, trying to figure out what, what is my business doing in 2020, right? Surviving it now. Okay, hopefully they've stabilized it for those that are still trying to figure out how to stabilize. What are they doing for 2021? You really got to reevaluate your business plan. You know, it sounds easy, but a lot of people don't go. It's, it's like, it's kind of like spring cleaning. Your business plan touches upon everything, right? It's, it's your operations, it's your technology, it's your people, it's your systems, it's your strategies, sales, marketing, brand strategy. It's all your assets, you know, sales collateral, mark, uh, your websites, everything. So you got to look at everything. You got to audit uh, everything you got. You then really have to now speak to your clients and, and, and not just have your leadership team say, this is what I think we're doing as a business. Talk to your clients. Like, this is what we provide as a service. Is this still relevant to you? Like, is this what you need? And how do you want us to serve you? What, do you, what is it that you need? So under, you got to meet clients where they're at. If you're B2B, B2C, whatever it is, you got to meet them where they're at. Once you understand that, because the consumer behavior and the landscape, of course, we're all virtual, how they buy and how they consume, how they interact has changed. So you got to evolve your business to where your customer is at. Once you understand that, then you update your business plan and your strategy should then support that. So kind of going with, with the trend that you mentioned where everyone going virtual now. So how can a business right now manage both a remote team and also provide uh, remote access for the client? Managing a remote team uh, is, it's going to be a big learning curve for businesses, but it's, it's like anything else. There's tons of resources out there that's free. So we use uh, we use Slack. Some people use Microsoft Teams, right? So it's a, it's like a community internally. You can also invite external people. Like we we invite our clients into our Slack community. It's like instant message, you know. So you can create channels. So a great way to kind of have a pulse and and still kind of feel like you're you know, when you bump into your your employees at a, at the cubicle at their office, you might pop in. That's what Slack is like. You go into a channel and you say, hey, I have a quick question about this, you know, this proposal that we sent out. So instead of sending emails back and forth, that's a great way to communicate with people. And it feels like you're in this office setting the closest you can, right, without being in person. Then you also create channels that have some culture in it. So we have a channel that's called Babies. We have a channel that's called Mindfulness. We have a foodies channel because we have a lot of people that like food. So, like, how do we humanize the experience virtually and kind of have a commonality so not everything's business, but like we're still people. So you know, we'll we'll put pictures of like what we ate for lunch, and people comment on it, and people share recipes. So now you're building this virtual culture, um, but you, it's also professional. And we use tools like Toggle and Harvest. Those are great softwares where you can manage what are people doing every day. Um, I think for a lot of managers, the challenge is to like what I don't know what my team members are doing because of course they have kids or parents or pets or they're at home. You're not looking to micromanage. That's not what it's used for. It's really just getting a lens on what they're doing so you can remove obstacles. If you're seeing like, you know what, there's a, there's a pattern. From from 10 to 2, they seem like they're not really online or they're, they're tied up. So now you can have a conversation. Hey, what's going on from 10 to 2? Is there anything I can help you out with? Oh, yeah, you know, my kids are doing like virtual learning, yada, yada. Okay, great. Well, how can I work with you? So now you're having a productive conversation and, and providing empathy and sympathy to your team members. Um of, of how to work remotely. So these are just some, some quick tools that you can use. And your clients can also be brought into this virtual world as well. So you, you can now feel like you're providing another level of customer service because they can just uh, quickly reach out to you using Slack. Mm-hmm. That's funny because that's segues right into the next question is, you know, what is kind of the one thing a leader should focus right now for this year in terms of helping the business grow? 
you got to focus on your people. It sounds easy, but it's a lot deeper than that. Um, because you can have processes and systems in place, but they're only as good as the people behind it. We went through this actually in Q3. We lost, we had some turnover, right? So we, we didn't know if we had the right people in the right seat. And what you're trying to figure out as a leader is like, do I have the right management team? Do I have the right structure? And you're, a lot of people are, are reevaluating that right now. They're, they're really trying to understand because that manager who's might've been really great face-to-face in an office setting might not be good or effective in a virtual setting managing a team. And that's just the reality. As much as they've been with you for 10 plus years, you got to look at the org structure and the accountability chart of your business and figure out who's the right person to, to run these departments. Um, and we use a program like Predictive Index, which has really helped us get a lint. It's almost like Myers-Briggs or DISC. So it's almost like a personality, but it's, it's more like a driver uh, tool. So it lets us know who is in the right position based on their character, if that makes sense, Anthony. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really drastically helped us with retaining our team, elevating our team members, self-awareness for our team members, communication, and hiring new people because we plug them through this, this tool that's really helped us elevate the right people that aligns with our culture. Mm-hmm. So we, I hear a lot about these new tools or might have been around forever and businesses are trying to adapt. And as you brought up the term, especially from last year, a lot of us are more or less being pushed to what's called be, digitally transform themselves. Um, what's what are the key tips or bullet points that you would give for a business to really properly embrace it? Like where do they even start for someone who let's say just only has a website and now they're being pushed into this new world. Okay. Well, where do I start? What, what, what question do they even ask? Kind of goes back to like the business plan a little bit again. It's like, okay, yeah. here's my world now. Right. Am I, how am I selling? How am I educating? How am I engaging with customers? But how am I engaging right now with my team members? Once you have a good lens of the field of what that looks like, then you work backwards. Okay, what do I need to do to communicate easier and effective, more effectively with my, my team? Maybe project management software if you don't have that because Excel sheets might not cut it, right? So um, you might have collaboration rooms, which is Slack, uh, with clients. Okay, I can't be on site all the time to see them. How can I communicate with them? So, of course, you're using Zoom or Teams. But how can I take that customer experience a little bit further? What else do they need from me? How can I support my client? So really just assess, assessing what does the, the interaction back and forth is needed to run your business to make sure like your people are, are happy, your clients are happy. And then by understanding what you need first, then you can go and you can even Google that. Like how do I communicate with my team better virtually? And you're going to see all these software recommendations um, so, so that's how you start to embrace and, and really teach yourself um, if you, you know, if budget is, is a constraint. You know, Google could be a good resource, right? I hate saying that all the time, but of course you can pay a consultant to come in and do an assessment and say, here's our recommendation. That's a shortcut. But everyone has, is, has a different scenario where they are from a cash flow standpoint. So you can be resourceful. That takes a bit longer, but the answers are out there. You just got to dig. Um, or you can, yeah, you can work with um, consulting firms who specialize in technology stack or digital transformation. So kind of wrapping up with your origin story of being motivated to service your clients better and kind of getting that conversational kick to start your own business. Now we fast forward to 2021. What is it your new reason or is it the same reason in terms of why you do what you do? It was a lot more clear than before when, when, when the pandemic hit. 
we have a duty as a marketing agency, as a, you know, we call ourselves a growth agency. We're, we're a hybrid marketing business consultancy agency because we have to really understand a business. So we do give a lot of advisement on that side of it, like understanding the business. Because you got to understand the business first before you actually can give a good recommendation and a plan for a marketing strategy. Um, our purpose is the same. It's empower businesses to serve. Because I get up every morning, my team gets up every morning because we know we're helping people in whatever capacity. Because we help that business thrive and survive. They're making money. They're paying their leadership team. They're paying their employees. That person goes home. They have a family. That person then spends money in the community. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a ripple effect. Um, so that's what drives us is like, we're helping people in our way. And we have a duty to give marketing advice, to give technology advice, to give business strategy advice so that these businesses and these small businesses are surviving. Um, and we, we had a, we did webinars, we have resources on our website for free, you know, no strings attached is like, we're, we have a duty to help out and this, cause it's our purpose. Great. Well, thank you for sharing your story. How best can the audience come with you on this journey and learn more? What's the best area of contact information? Our, our website, uh, we're in think agency. So our website's the word in and the word think. So in think agency.com, uh, connect with me, uh, on LinkedIn, it's calm in uh, on LinkedIn. But if you go to our website, you'll find my information and, um, you know, we're, we're on all the different social media channels and then, um, we're happy to help however you can. Great. Well, thank you for sharing. Thank you. Our next guest, we have Mark Gottlieb with Office Evolution in Roswell. Welcome to the show, Mark. Thank you very much. All right, Mark. So share with us a little of the story of how you got involved in opening up Office Evolution. Okay. Um, well, I've had my own business for the past 25 years, um, which in, in the real estate development area. I've been a retail development person doing shopping centers and single tenant development um, I've done a lot in Roswell, mostly Southeast, but I've lived in the Roswell area for, for uh, 25 years. So locally uh, born and raised sort of uh, the office we bought that we converted the office evolution in was my old client CVS's uh, regional headquarters. So I used to come here every week for many years. Uh, so familiar with the property. Um, and my wife and I decided we want to go to business together. So I still have my separate company doing the development. She was in the uh, technology sales area. And so we looked around at different businesses and, and really felt like uh, co-working is a trend that was growing before the pandemic, but now I think was going to accelerate its growth after everything that's happened the past year. So we, we looked at different concepts, really like the office evolution concept and just very fortunately, uh, CVS moved their headquarters, uh, regional headquarters from this building into that in the building. We bought the, we purchased the building in July, uh, spent three months renovating it, and we just opened in November. Uh, so it was a little scary going into a new business in the middle of, of the COVID situation, but uh, optimistic that things are going to be positive. It won't be immediately change over. Uh, 2021 is not going to just flip the page and everything's great. But um, I think people are adapting and realizing they have to move forward and, and, and are being more optimistic as the year starts. So what got you both into deciding going into this particular co-working industry and, and why Office Solutions? Because I, I imagine you probably look at many other channels. We did. Um, what we liked about Office Evolution is it's, it's uh, 
there's about 75 offices that are open now throughout the United States, but each one is, is, is single proprietary owned. Uh, they, you might have two or three locations, but everyone's local ownership, which I think is very, very nice and very important. But we have a central uh, corporate office in, in uh, Colorado that provides marketing background, technology background, things that uh, I wouldn't personally be knowledgeable on. It would take a lot of time to reinvent the wheel. So we're able to use our networking skills, our marketing skills, uh, my real estate knowledge, and do what we do, and then use their knowledge on how to operate a, a co-working space and their history of being in business for 15 years uh, to kind of, I think, be more productive as we move forward. Now you touched a little bit about um, with, with well, 2020, the way what it turned out to be, and some companies are kind of shifting their, I guess, perspective at office spaces. What do you? What would you say? are the advantages for small companies that are looking to utilize co-working spaces? Well, I think, you know, prior to 2021 or prior to COVID, not 2021, uh, co-working space was very practical for startup, smaller companies. Uh, When I started my business 25 years ago, I actually was in a small co-working space. It wasn't called co-working, but it was a building that had six offices and a common secretary. And that's how I started with myself and my partner. And as we grew, we ended up, Hiring more people, we ended up leasing our old office, our own office, and eventually buying our own building and building our own office. Um, so that's been a normal uh, pattern, I think, prior to to COVID. Is small, it could be smaller companies as they're growing, or you may be a sole practitioner, attorney, or accountant, and you want to have some kind of professional presence. Uh, you want to have a conference room to use. You don't want to have to worry about setting up internet and dealing with technology and so forth, and, and take those worries about, but have a professional business address and professional presence that your clients will come visit. So I think that's been the more uh, standard historical perspective on, on co-working. But now with everyone uh, working from their home for all, the, even the large companies, uh, people wanted to get out of their house. It's not efficient. It's it's efficient. People have liked it. I think there's two sides to this. People have learned and companies have learned that you can work effectively from your home. You can work remotely and have to be in the downtown uh, office. Um, but after a while, you do need some kind of interaction with other professionals and other business people. It is distracting to have, as I think you're, uh, you mentioned earlier, the dogs, the kids, everything else going on in the home. So it is good to have somewhere you can go. It may not be every day. But it is good to have somewhere to go. If you, you might have a big uh, Zoom call with 50 people or you want to be somewhere you can focus. Uh, you want to have a meeting. You want to have a professional place to have a meeting. You want to go to a Starbucks or uh, you can't do that in your house. So I think it's um, those folks are saying, hey, this works. I don't want to drive an hour to downtown or to in it, I'm in Atlanta to Buckhead or downtown from from the suburb. I can work effectively. The company's functioning effectively. But I need a little something in the middle. So I think um, we're, we have folks that have joined up with us that are uh, working with large companies that their offices are not opening up yet. There may be six months they open. Uh, I think when this started, people thought end of the year, everything would be opened up. Then it went to March. Now, a lot of larger corporations, enterprise companies have pushed to June. Um, so they're now coming out of their houses and saying, okay, I, I got to go somewhere. So they're, they're renting maybe on a short-term basis. Then there are other companies we've seen that have downsized during COVID or realized they can work remotely and saying, well, I don't need a 10,000 office anymore. 
I can do with three offices. And if I can have somewhere where my company team can meet once a week and be together, then that works. And so we've had um, several companies that have downsized that have several offices here that have done that, that route. Um, so I think it's a variety uh, of, uh, of customers that we're seeing and clients that we're seeing and members. And I think larger companies are going to go more to a, a spoken wheel concept. They don't need to, I think historically large companies have, have rented five off, you know, five floors in an office tower. So you're signing a long-term lease. It's a huge financial investment. And then you're subject to the up and downs of the economy, up and downs of your sales volumes. Now they can have less space on a long-term basis. They can utilize co-working space that's much more flexible, much more cost-effective, much more convenient for their for their employees, and and not have that liability over their heads, and be and be able to move as things are adjusting in this environment, especially now when things are a little more unknown. That kind of segues into uh, the next question in terms of what's the trends for these larger companies, and you brought up the issue, let's say, commuting, driving maybe an hour for some people two or three plus hours. I mean, me coming in from New York City. I'm very, I'm way, I'm, I'm more acquainted with traffic than I really would like to be. So do you see a, a change as you kind of brought up a little bit with companies or larger companies kind of going, shifting away from one large central location into more of a kind of a suburb area, let's say a well, Roswell and, area? Yes. And I think that's what I was kind of alluding to is, and, and I called it a spoken, a spoken hub is they, they'll have a spoke of corporate headquarters that may be downtown Manhattan. But if you live in Connecticut or New Jersey or Westchester, you may save the hour on the train coming in, work effectively in an office near your house, and maybe you come in for a weekly meeting or a monthly meeting. That also has just saved a huge amount of long-term investment or really liability from your company. The other thing that's happening on the, on the, the older style offices is the trend was going to more open offices. You know, very nice, beautiful, open. Everyone's opening the open space. It's more relaxed. You can you know, communicate in open areas. Now with the COVID situation, uh, it's completely reversing that trend. And they're going to more, you have to space out uh, six feet in every direction. You're having to go in the elevator every day where everyone else is going in. You have to park in a parking deck. So by not or commute on a train or commute on a subway or a bus. Now, if you're working locally near your home, you're driving by yourself. In, in our case, we have a single story building. You're walking in the front door. There's no elevator. There's parking right outside the door. You're walking into your office. You're closing the door. You're theoretically, <laughs> theoretically secure. Um, you have a conference room. You can space out a little bit in the conference rooms. In our co-working areas, we've also uh, reduce the capacity and and, and uh, people working a little further distance apart. But a lot of the companies that did recently renovate offices have been going to more much more of an open floor plan, which is completely contra to the COVID regulations. Mm-hmm. So that'll play out over the next several years. The other trend that's happening, I think, is uh, and again, I'm more retail expert, but I've been dealing with office now. Is um, there's a lot of sublets available because if people are downsizing, there's there's subspace available that may be a good rates because people are trying to 
do whatever they can to reduce their liability. But on a sublease, if you're a tenant coming under a sublease, you're dealing with the sub lessor, not the landlord. You don't have a build out you want. You might not have the, uh, you have no control over the term. You may want to stay, you can't. There's no flexibility. You might have the technology that you need present. So that's not necessarily a good long-term answer either. So I think there's going to be a lot of, you know, a lot of changes occurring in the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. And, cool. I, and I see the companies have been kind of sitting by waiting to get through last year. Yeah. And I think some things will be opening up in the first quarter to second quarter of 2021. Mm-hmm. As people want to get out of their house and the companies want to get back to work to, at some basis. Mm-hmm. So as you mentioned, you were looking into going into this line of business. Um, what makes Office Evolution different from all other co-working companies? Uh, it's it's different in that we are suburban-based, which is one thing that now is, I think, the trend is working that direction. Mm-hmm. The, the original ones, there's uh, the owner has 15 in the Colorado area, Denver. They're all in the suburbs. That's been his background. The other thing, it's been, it's more uh, small office intensity versus open areas. So when we designed our building, we designed it with 40 private offices with some co-working spaces and three conference rooms and a meeting room, but primarily private offices, which is different than the, than, than the WeWorks concept and other concepts that were expanding and, and very popular with more open space. Mm-hmm. So we've been more focused on suburbs, smaller companies and entrepreneurs. Um, and again, I think having the uh, each office privately owned by someone in the community, I think is a big factor to me. Mm-hmm. So kind of looking into the future, bit of a crystal ball here is what, what is kind of the, what, in your projection, what is the office outlook as of for this year? And let's say we fast forward in, in a post-COVID situation. Yeah, I think there's, you know, as you said, two parts of that. There's the COVID factor, which no crystal ball on that. I think even with the vaccines coming out, I think that's going to be with us for most of the year as far as, uh, and, and it varies by states. I happen to be in Georgia. Georgia has been very liberal in its policies. Uh, other states like New York, where you are, Pennsylvania, California, have been very closed off. Uh, in, in Colorado, where home office for Office of Evolution is, they, um, a lot of the offices there have been closed because of uh, regulations. So I think there's the there's the local regulation factor of it that will loosen up as the year goes along. Um, but I think there's going to be a permanent redesign of the type of offices that have been uh, existing as far as more closed offices. People that are going to want more convenience because they're getting used to being home. Uh, they're going to want to have uh, less commutes. Um, they're going to have a feeling of more kind of control over their life. So, you know, one of the benefits for our employees and one of the, our members, uh, they love being able to go home for lunch. They love being able to go see their, their son, their daughter's soccer game or being convenient in that respect. But they're still, we're open 24 seven. So if they want to come in, you know, after the game and come work, they can come work, but they're only five minutes from their house and not driving 45 minutes to an office. So I think um, there's the COVID issue that we have to get over which hopefully we all will get over that and there'll be some solution. But I think there's also a new awakening of companies realizing, Hey, I don't have to have everyone working on the same office. And, 
you know, I'm talking to you, you're in New York and I'm in Atlanta. Well, obviously this is technology, this is happening. But companies now can hire people anywhere and work pretty effectively. You can hire the best talent. I may be in Atlanta, you may be in New York, but you might hire me to do a job and we can communicate via Zoom or like we're doing right now over the phone and it's effective. So I'm going to be working near my house because I don't have to live in New York and work. So I think that's going to trend will continue. And I think we'll snowball. Oh, just a quick one. I used to live in New York City. Now I'm living in, in Georgia. I actually landed oh, I in Roswell. I actually landed in Roswell. That was the first place I came, uh, moved down well, to. Well, if you want something funny, I grew up in the Bronx. So there you go. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, for me, it's uh, in Queens. All right. So. <laughs> so so we both know. All right. Well, then look, looking into, uh, as you mentioned, kind of looking into the future and, and the change in a perspective where uh, instead of having major offices where everybody kind of, kind of congregates in one metro area and moving into the suburbs um do, do you see there'll be more of an acceptance not just from the big companies but let's say for example uh the attorney offices and more kind of a white oh, collar my, yeah. my real estate attorney i've worked with uh for, for a long time they're probably a 50 person firm mm-hmm. and they were very hesitant to let people work remotely before covid you know people want to work at their, out of their home at times no you need to be in the office you have to be in the office uh it's what we do you need to be here well, they discovered over the last nine months that everyone worked fairly effectively. Things got done. Uh, people were pretty happy working out of their home. Uh, they were able to communicate and close deals. It didn't affect their their uh, their effectiveness at all. The clients didn't mind because usually with a lawyer, you're not meeting face to face. Anyway, mm-hmm. they need to meet face to face. They can have a they can have a meeting. So I think even with those firms. Um, I know from several of them when they did open the office up and when people go back, they were upset. Why do we need to go back to the office? We're working fine. You know, I'd like to do this more on a permanent basis. So I think uh, companies will long-term downsize and still have a main office, still have conference rooms to meet in. And whether it's people coming in different days of the week and flex time and say, Hey, you need to come in two days a week regardless because we want to see you two days a week, but I think people are going to work remotely uh, on a permanent, you know, on an ongoing permanent basis. I think it's going to be accepted uh, standard of, of work, even if you might have to come together at certain points, whether it's for meetings or required to come in a couple of days a week. Uh, but I think that trend is going to continue. So do you think this particular trend or demand is more on the business side looking to cut costs and their employees or also perhaps maybe a demand on the client side because instead of i'm just thinking in terms of client instead of driving into the city now let's say for example the real estate attorney doing a closing could that be a factor i think that's a factor as well i think it's a factor on both sides i think it's a um it may be a quicker factor on the side of convenience than a side of cost because people are locked into leases right now. You can't immediately unroll leases. I think as things go forward and leases are coming up, they will definitely reanalyze their situation and make changes. But even on a short term where they're locked into leases, I think they're going to look and, and give that convenience where uh, and I say accountant, attorneys, any of those folks that need to meet with people face-to-face, investment people, um, why have them drive downtown to your office? You know, if you can meet close to your home and they have clients all over the place, it is more convenient to meet closer to the client for both you and the client. Uh, 
So I think that's, um, I think it's going to hit it from both sides. So how best can someone reach out to you and learn more about uh, your open office space and looking to explore uh, what options they have available with you? Uh, you can go, you might, you're welcome to email me at uh, mark.lieb, it's G-O-T-T-L-I-E-B at officeevolution.com or uh, go to our website, officeevolution.com slash location, Roswell. Great. Thank you for coming on the show, Mark. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. That's our two wonderful guests. So kind of going with the underlying uh, theme here is being able to deliver for the communities and really for everyone to transition going into this virtual space and reaching out to employees and helping them build up uh, a foundational team and culture. So kind of, I want to bring back both uh, Mark and Kam and kind of get their insights as to what kind of their experiences are uh, going into this COVID world and then what their expectations are going to a post-COVID world. So um, opening up the question would be, what is something that business owners should take into account planning ahead so they're one step ahead and so just kind of reacting? Go ahead, Mark. Well, you go ahead. I was just trying to, I was thinking of several (laughs) things. um, (laughs) I mentioned before about business planning. I think, uh, so we had our strategic plan for for this year coming up for 2021 and three years out and 10 years out. And make, you got to have something, right? You have to have a plan. Of course, no one can plan a pandemic, um, but you, you make a plan with the information you have. So we have a plan going into this year. And then what are our goals? Like, what does success look like for you? Um, and un- by establishing that, and hopefully it's measurable, you know, metrics that you can do that for. Um, so if it's, if it's making sure your employees are productive, like what, what are those measurements? If it's making sure your clients are happy, like what are those success metrics? So understanding what that plan and that goal is for the year, it sounds easy, but it's not easily done because sometimes people have to peel the onion to get to those, the real core. It's not just about making, it's not just about growing revenue. There's more to that to get there. Um, but for businesses to get ahead, like they have to, like some people don't like doing the grunt work is like taking the time to really put the foundational work to go back. No different than if you're an athlete, you might've done something, but something happened, right? So you got to reevaluate what does my workout and diet routine look like now? So I can be effective and to be the best athlete this year in 2021. You got to treat your business the same way. Yeah, I think that's very true. I think it's difficult uh, for for businesses to do that with so much uncertainty right now. So I think people are having difficulty. You know, how do you, like you said, you can't plan for a pandemic and you can't plan for this to continue as long as it's continued. I think uh, a lot of us in March thought we'd be out of it by September. So um, planning is, is as, <laughs> as good as the information you're using to plan. So I think people need to be flexible. They need to uh, be willing to be nimble and keep moving as things adjust uh, right now. I will say I appreciated your conversation on 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 your marketing because I've historically been as a developer. Uh, my marketing was all uh, really reputation. I had this, a lot of the same clients for years, and now that we're starting our business, everything is on Facebook, LinkedIn, Google, and planning that and, and our website and determining that was a whole new learning experience for me. So I really enjoyed your, your conversation earlier. It resonated you. quite a bit. <laughs> it's all interconnected. It's not one solution. And 
even in the business plan, you have to say, look, guys, this whole plan could completely be worthless, but we got to do something. We have to have something. Right. You can't just make an excuse and say, well, it's unknown. So like, I'm not even going to try to do a business plan because if, especially if you're a leader and you have people looking up to you, right, you're, you're the one that they're looking for, for stability. You have to exude that and, and, and not talk to talk, but walk the walk. Um, and it's okay. It's okay to be vulnerable. I think as leaders, you got to be vulnerable too. And I was very open and honest with my team come through the pandemic. I go, look, we have two paths here, you know, for us, digital transformation or marketing online, like this is, I tell my team, this is our Super Bowl. This is what we're built to do. But for whatever reason, businesses, you know, if they're, they're holding on to cash flow, which I don't blame them for, right? Because of this uncertainty, we might not get more, more sales, right? So what, what happens on the alternative side is if we don't get work, what does that happen? Then we got to downsize the team, ours. And we had this open conversation. I was very surprised, but really pleasantly surprised. Like everyone's offered to cut their hours. Know, versus just having an internal leadership meeting by by being vulnerable i opened it up to the company everyone said they raised their hand i'll cut hours i'll do extra work whatever it is to keep the company afloat um so we had a contingency plan we didn't have to tap into it thank goodness but because we were, we were transparent and we, we we had that conversation and we were vulnerable um you never know what's going to happen i think it's very important that as a leader you are honest and 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 realistic but I think it's important, as you said, also to be optimistic. Hopefully you can, you can be that way because a lot of people right now are, are just so feeling beat up and tired and to be productive, you need to keep their productivity, their productivity up and people's morales up is very important. I think right now. So, and in feeling part of a team is one of the challenges when you're working remotely, like you said, you can't go next door and slap someone on the back and say, hey, let's grab lunch necessarily we got to have people feeling motivated and feeling good about what they're doing and feeling they're still part of the team that's working towards this common goal. And that's, it is challenging now. So for our listeners, that's getting this message and it's kind of the, the theme is at least start with a plan better than no plan kind of going through the wilderness blindfolded. But for those who are just kind of intimidated, well, where do I even start? What will be kind of your advice to either one central point or maybe three points just to kind of get the ball rolling so they're not just shying away from us and just being completely intimidated. I say start with the clients that are already still purchasing through you um, so that you can really get a lot. Why are they still doing business with you? Because if you're kind of like in that gray area, you're kind of like, I don't know what to do next. Well, you kind of do know, like go to the clients that are still paying you and ask why. Now you know the why, amplify it. I didn't ask the clients why they didn't, you know, they might not be ready to buy now. They still, your, your solution might still be relevant. There might be other things that are uncovering why they didn't buy. Maybe it's, um, they need more information and, or they need two more months to, to save money because it's, a, it could be cash flow. by knowing the whys and the reasons why they're not buying. You might create some type of new financial program. You might create something different to bridge that gap to have them to become a customer sooner. So again, you got to talk to your customers and find out what's going on there. Number one. I think that makes a lot of sense. Communications always, you can't learn anything. You don't let, you don't listen to somebody and understand why they're doing what they're doing. And I think your comment about keeping your, your clients and your customers close to you and let them know you're thinking about them, even if they're not today able to give you business, let them know they're important to you and that, 
eventually you hope things turn around. You do want to continue to be working with them and have, keep your relationship going somehow. I think that's important. Well, thank you, Tom and Mark, for your insight and uh, great advice uh, for our listeners and for those who uh, are looking to either looking more towards help and marketing or maybe on the share uh, co-office spaces. So kind of share with you, uh, that's your contact information again. Let me start with Tom. Yep. So my email is com, K-H-A-M, at inthinkagency.com. Our website's inthinkagency.com. And uh, you can also reach us out our phone number, 508 713-0131. Again, it's Mark with a K dot Gottlieb, G-O-T-T-L-I-E-B as in boy at um, Office Evolution. Uh, Website is officeevolution.com slash location slash Roswell. And uh, phone number is 678-697-7696. Thank you. And to kind of wrap it up, this show is sponsored and brought to you by yours truly, Anthony Chen with Lighthouse Financial Network, securities and advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associates, Inc., RAA, member FINRA SIPC. RAA is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products or services referenced here are independent of RAA. Our main office address is at 575 Broad Hollow Road in Melville, New York. 11747. You can best reach me at 631-465-9090, extension is 5075, or through my email, which is just my full name, Anthony Chen, last name is spelled C-H-E-N, at lfnllc.com. Thank you for listening to the show. Until next time, this is Family Business Radio.